Hi, Janina. Hi, Emma. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you today? Oh, not too bad. Thank you very much. Enjoying the nice sunny weather over here. Yeah, it seems to suddenly become be becoming spring again after having been aggressively spring and then aggressively not. <laughs> well, we I didn't get the aggressively spring to be honest. Um. <laughs> oh, did you not get the right. the suddenly it's twenty five degrees and it came out of nowhere. And we did not. We got Ooh. suddenly the sun is out and it's thirteen degrees. And now <laughs> the sun has gone away, but it's still thirteen degrees. So. <laughs> I think we should probably be worried about the fact that in London, at least, it went from snow to boiling in a matter of, I think, two, what two weeks or something yeah. within a, within I a month. You should be hoarding water. I um, think we've fucked this planet, and it's time like, to find a new one. The inevitable water wars are coming. They um, are. There's nothing we can do about like, it. Did you see? It was 51 degrees in Pakistan yesterday. Um, that's not a real temperature it should be allowed to be. I mean, that's the kind of temperature that it generally will reach in, like, August rather than April. Right. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's a preposterous temperature at any time of the year, but um, isn't yeah. effect- emphatically not an April temperature at any time of the year. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad that we're back to normal spring, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, rational temperatures. High teens are, are, are what <laughs> we want. Rational temperatures for rational people. <laughs> well, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my election slogan one day. <laughs> it's nonsensical and I've promised nothing. But <laughs> but you don't like right. the weather? I'm going to fix it. Yeah, somehow. rational temperatures for rational people. <laughs> So what are we talking about today, Janina? This week we are talking about, I want to quote the question correctly, which was from uh, Mission Focused on Twitter. Yes, he's very nice. The question is, are the stories you hear of women dressing up to be soldiers true? And if so, how did they get away with it? Well, in the very quick answer from the research that we've done, the answer to the first part of the question is, oh my God, yes, it's emphatically true. Yes, boy, oh boy, did they. (laughs) We boy, have, oh boy, did they? Have, as well as I can tell, two thirds of any given army <laughs> was assigned female at birth. Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> as I soon as you start um, looking. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, I think the question is when you start looking into the stuff is actually, do men actually even exist? <laughs> Are they all just women in disguise? <laughs> Yeah, I, honestly, I can't prove it either way, but I can tell you that yes, there are a lot of people in armies who uh, were not so- assigned male at birth. So before we start talking about this, and we've we've need to do a kind of disclaimer about it and talk about how that we're going to talk about it a bit, because there are essentially different categories of non-men in the army yeah and like cis men in the army looking back at it we are basically speculating to the with the as much information we have speculating over whether that means they were trans or whether they were in disguise for practical reasons Yeah. yeah so there are clearly women that dressed up in order to fight in the kind of milan fashion where they were you know do not seem to have at any point not identified as a woman in trousers. But then there are also very clearly people who had a much more complicated relationship with 
the way they dressed and the way they presented. So there's two good people to read on this, and both of them have written really recent articles, which are freely available on the internet, which is very useful. Uh, one is Catherine Baker, who just recently wrote an article called Monstrous Regiment, as a uh, nice reference to Terry Pratchett in History Today, which is literally about how we talk about these people. And what she says is that people who wanted to just enter a masculine space temporarily and people who wanted to enter a masculine space permanently look indistinguishable from each other basically and it is impossible to tell from now because they never told their own stories who is who yeah and because also in the past you might be aware life kind of sucked for women so there are a (laughs) lot of practical reasons you might want to pretend you are not one even if you are cisgendered a cisgendered woman rather than a trans man yeah There's also an article by Cheryl Morgan, which is on History Matters, uh, which is called How Not to Erase Trans History. And we'll put both of these in the show notes, which talks about literally how to think about this, because none of the people in the past before about like 1950 will call themselves transgender. But the important thing is to think about the possibility that they could now and to not erase the possibility that they would be. So some of the people we're going to be talking about have a very complex relationship with the gender binary, basically. And I know part, I think part of what we're going to talk about for a lot today is that the gender binary is not as clear cut in the past and never has been. We would perhaps like to think it was. Yeah, but in terms of practical terms of how we're going to discuss this, I think we're just going to do our best to yeah. pro- to use the pronouns that seem most appropriate from people's lives outside of the military or that. So um, we're going to... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because, you know, as complicated subject is gender, especially, I mean, gender now is a complicated subject. Yeah, gender in the past is a complicated subject because they didn't have the language or the space to talk about it. You know, yeah. so and all of the people who were talking about it in a way that was recorded were predominantly cisgendered men. Um, yeah, who and they tended to from say their own perspective. We like use words that we don't use anymore, like hermaphrodite. Yes, unpleasant. Yeah. Or say that if a woman is dressing as a man, it's or if someone who their outward sex is female is dressing as a man it, they are perverts or they're deceiving people or that sort of yes the, there's a lot um, of judgment upon it that probably that isn't really consistent with how we consider these things today yeah yeah but um, i'll tell you the word that gets used a lot is amazon <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of amazons out there yeah which is good fun but also a lot of kind of a good fun thing is that there is this kind of 18th 19th century romance idea of the woman who dresses as a man and then runs away in order to follow her husband or Mm -hmm. find her lost love or run away from her abusive father and there's quite a lot of novels about that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so there is also a fictional narrative into which people's lives get put yeah which is good fun too all right that's our disclaimer (laughs) Um, which is a it's complicated but we're gonna do our best yeah and there's some good stuff out there i really do recommend both those articles because they're both interesting especially if you're interested in historiography in any way like the way that people the way we talk about the past is one of the things i am most interested in and yeah both of them are really good on that and about how people might have conceptualized themselves in the past that we have no access to yeah yeah so i guess the obvious place to start I mean, Milan is the first one that everybody thinks of, I think. Yeah, but she wasn't real. Disney. Uh, (laughs) Is it it that she definitely was not real or that we have no evidence that she was real? 
Well, we have no evidence that she was real. And like, as far as I can tell, the versions of her story, of which there are lots of predominantly like ballads and things. So yeah. In, in fictional format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she's the obvious one. I have to confess at this point that I have never seen Milan the film. <laughs> Emma. Oh. I have now read a lot of articles about how it's Orientalist trash. So. I mean, it is, that is true. I do think it was one of the first times Disney did make the effort to have an Asian cast playing Asian people. Yes. Unlike, I think, Aladdin, where I'm pretty sure most of the cast was white. I think most of the cast in Mulan were Asian, which is nice. That's good. And it's, I mean, obviously Disney have a casual approach to cultural accuracy even now. (laughs) Um, But I mean, Mulan is a banger of a film. Okay. I'll take your word for that because I can't, honestly, it's never going to be on Netflix. (laughs) I'm probably never going to go out my way to watch it. But from what I can gather from... uh, from reading about the film and from reading a couple of versions of translations of like ballads of Milan, basically the deal is her father gets called to war and so in order to say that he doesn't have to go because he doesn't have a son, she dresses up as a man and then goes. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean that's definitely the film. I think in the in the some versions of the story she has brothers but they're too young. Oh okay. And that sort of thing. So basically there's no appropriately aged or healthed man to fulfill so the requirement that someone from this family has to serve in the army. So okay, she goes. So she yeah. goes. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I basically feel like because Milan probably isn't real, we can put her to one side because we don't know if any Chinese women ever did that. No, but she is a, you know, she is a classic example and, and deserves to be acknowledged, I think. Whether or I she think was so. Real, but yeah, we don't know really anything about her, including her, up to and including her existence. Yeah, <laughs> but the, the most famous, as far as I can tell, real person is also, I think, probably the most complicated one, which is Dr. James Barry, mm-hmm. who conveniently popped up on Reddit and pops up on the internet of like a today I learned once every six months or so as this woman who dressed up as a man, as James Barry, an Irish woman who dressed up and then joined the British Army and ended up becoming technically the first woman to ever graduate medical school from Edinburgh and then became the Inspector General of Military Hospitals and then lived as a man, as like a very successful but quite horrible man. Like everything that's written about James Barry basically says he was a total dickhead who just screamed at people and was always calling people idiots and constantly starting fights and <laughs> just was horrible to be around in every way. But was really nice to his patients. <laughs> well, that's, that's, I mean, fair. If you're going to be nice, if you've only got it in you to be nice to a certain percentage of people during your life, I feel like patients are a, <laughs> yeah. good, a good way to go with that. Like, there's quite a good bit where he, like, had massive arguments with Florence Nightingale, who hated him. (laughs) And he was always, he was kind of renowned as one of those people who's very small and very kind of fragile looking. And there's paintings of him and he does look incredibly delicate and Mm -hmm. feminine. But, like, if you crossed him in any way or said anything that upset him in a bar, he he was, like, constantly in duels with people because he would, like, be flinging his gloves across the room and... I'll fucking have you, mate. <laughs> Whatever the <laughs> 18th century equivalent of, I could take it outside. 
Yeah, and then lived as James Barry. And then when he died, a charwoman, so effectively a cleaner, examined the body and declared that actually it was a female body and that also it was a body that had had children, that there were stretch marks that suggested they had children. (laughs) And now, so now James Barry is known as the woman who disguised herself as a man in order to be able to go to to university and blah, 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 blah. And obviously as far as we can tell, was born and assigned female at birth as Margaret Bulkley, which is a horrible name. Too many L's. (laughs) Bulkley. Margaret Maggie Bulkley. (laughs) And then at some point in their teenage years, took on the guise of James Barry, went to university and lived as James Barry for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. The only other evidence that there is that is not speculation comes from the doctor so basically the charwoman was the doctor's cleaner and went and had a wee peek at the body mm-hmm, as you do and when that's a girl mate <laughs> and the doctor wrote a letter saying look it really doesn't matter if james barry was born a woman was born a man as far as i'm concerned it's of no, no, absolutely none of my business if i was to be forced to make a a judgment, I'd say possibly he was neither and he was possibly intersex. Obviously doesn't use that word. But absolutely none of my business. Therefore making him the best person in this entire saga. Because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, whose fucking business is it? Like this charwoman's going around making a big fuss. But yeah, and so there are some people who argue that possibly James Barry was intersex. And there are some people who argue that maybe James Barry was a woman who disguised herself as a man in order to to be able to access male spaces like nursing medical school. Mm-hmm. That's the argument of the biography of her which came out in last year, the year before last, which is called Dr. James Barry, A Woman Ahead of Her Time. Um, mm-hmm. and but there are lots of people who argue that James Barry never described himself as a woman in public or in private, as far as we can see, never signed anything as anything other than James Barry. When they left the army, they lived a public life as James Barry, a man. And go fuck yourself, they were obviously wanted to be recognised and spoken of as a man. So whether you want to call them a trans man or not is... Some people obviously want to say James Barry is a trans man. And some people just say, look, they wanted to be known as a man. I Why like, do you insist upon calling them a woman? <laughs> I like the fact that on um, Wikipedia, they've listed James Barry as physician with disputed gender. <laughs> yeah that's really what it which is which is better than a woman ahead of her time i have to say yeah pictures of james barry are of a very delicate looking man he probably had to be quite fighty because people wanted to like chuck his little adorable cheek yeah because yeah, he's, he's super gotta, like, pretty as a man <laughs> <laughs> you've got to overcompensate for small size and yeah. delicate features I guess, I mean, I think... There's one picture which is around, which is like this really gorgeous portrait. And because they've painted, whoever painted it, just put quite a lot of space around his head. And then also, I might tweet it, like also made the neckline of his coat really high. So mm-hmm. he looks really kind of vulnerable. And yeah, just want to... Like really childlike, really. Yeah, I really just really love the painting, to be honest. So I get the feeling that possibly even like no matter what line of work James Barry had ever gone into, they would have had to have been quite fighty in order to stop people from being like, oh my God, aren't you adorable? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, you know, they did go through and have an incredibly distinguished military career through the Napoleonic Wars and yeah. their, you know, and got to be Surgeon General. Also, I think it's interesting that they, I think they then pronounce as appropriate since we don't know. 
Think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's significant that they got sick while serving in the military and still remained undiscovered because that's the thing <laughs> yeah. that trips up most of these cases is yes. they get sick or wounded and a doctor discovers what's up. <laughs> yes. But... Um. That, that yeah, there's quite yet. a lot of them where it's like they got shot in the arm and then somebody had to take their top off and we're like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Which is yeah. what happens in the Disney film of Mulan as well. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there are, there are a few who make it through like entire lives really without being discovered in any way there's one called albert cashier albert g dj cashier who is fought in the american civil war there were a lot in the american civil war there are there's a really good book on them called they fought like demons which is quite recent and um covers loads of them and is really good but albert cashier is interesting so this is another one where i'm going to use they because cashier was born jenny hodges which is also another terrible name hodges (laughs) sorry if you're called hodges (laughs) But enlisted in the army very young, fought the entire civil war as Albert Cashier, like was involved in all these amazing like feats of heroism. There's one point where they were in a siege mm-hmm. and they were captured by the Confederates and they grabbed one of the enemy's guns, hit the enemy over the head with it and then outran them to get back behind the battle lines. Like was yeah. in the siege of Vicksburg and spent like ages kind of dancing around on the walls and doing V signs at the enemy and then retired on a military pension and in their old age ended up living in a soldier's retirement home in Illinois like as a veteran mm-hmm. where the staff obviously knew that they had a feminine genitalia but at no point did anybody reveal it it wasn't until after albert died that people came out and said oh yeah they were not assigned male at birth basically i find it really fascinating when there are cases like this where there are clearly some people on site like there's the story of elisa servinius who joined the swedish army uh, to fight against russia in the finnish war where like the general understanding is she just met a man and she married him and then when his regiment he was in the army when his regiment got moved on she disguised herself as a man to join him but the official report that was given to the queen was that she was discovered as a stowaway and those that were on board just let her stay um <laughs> and she joined them and she worked as an as, an, as a nurse and like dressed in military in military uniform and worked as a nurse and collected ammunition from fallen opposition soldiers to bring back to the swedish army and then mm-hmm. when her husband was reported dead she continued on because she didn't believe that he was dead and she wanted to stay in the army uh, to find him and it was uh, like and the fact that she was a woman was discovered by these new soldiers who hadn't been there when she was first discovered as a stowaway and they're the ones that reported her and got her kicked out of the army yeah. but the officer who she served under Gustav Vochtmeister oh, I love a good Swedish name I know it's excellent recommended that she be decorated for her bravery and said that she had a natural fearlessness uh, mm-hmm. before danger so she was uh, despite the fact I think she's the only one who's known to have served in the Swedish army and it was strictly against the law for women to be in the army but she still was decorated for it and then it turned out that her husband had survived he was a prisoner of war and then they ended up just living happily ever after apparently after the war was over it is quite pleasing i have to say how many of these didn't disguise i mean not didn't disguise it that much but were like when they were found out everybody was like all right yeah yeah it is only when they did something that tend like transgressed outside of the military world that people started to get a bit fussy about it 
to mm-hmm. be honest. Another Swedish one is Ulrika Eleonora Stahlhammer. <laughs> That's an excellent name. I know, mean, a really good name. Who changed her surname terribly, but <laughs> fought in the Great Northern War, which is like early 18th century. It's probably against Finland or something. Fighting as um, Wilhelm Eshted. Mm-hmm. They were fighting really well. They rose through the ranks, became a corporal, had this fantastic life, and then married a woman. Uh-huh. And was found out somehow that both of them were born female um, and she was tried as a woman for homosexuality not for like the uh, but in fact at her trial the thing that saved her from what would have been the death penalty at the time was the fact that she had fought and the fact that she had this like amazing military career as a man yeah and they compared her to like vikings and said that she was like a virtuous woman and then they said that probably women didn't even have sex so it was basically but the purest and most spiritual union, a union of virtue. I, th- I think that's why in so many countries, sodomy is illegal, but female but- homosexuality, no one ever bothers <laughs> to make a law about it because they don't consider that it could happen. Yes. No one, like, they just can't really work out what would happen. So, <laughs> and both, I think both of them said that they'd never touched each other. So they went to prison for a while and then got to come out. I could not find out if she lived as a man or as a woman when she returned. So I'm guessing that she continued to live as a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm, there is a book about her, but it's in Swedish. So I stand no chance. <laughs> but... Yeah, the fact that she... So she had violated, like, a non-military more, but because of her military prowess, she got to mm-hmm. stay, basically. She got to be rewarded. That's nice. And there is another Russian one who fought during the Napoleonic Wars. Fewer women knocking about in the Napoleonic Wars, as far as I tell than, like, the Civil Wars. English Civil War and American mm-hmm. Civil War, it's, like, 98% girls. <laughs> 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 Doing some like girls or people who are assigned female at birth, or, and like eleven-year-old boys. That's it. That's all there was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, she was a Russian cavalry officer, which is like like the most masculine of all the masculine things is to be riding about on horses. And bearing in mind, in England during the time, women weren't even allowed to ride horses, like not side saddle, because mm-hmm. it would ruin their, or ruin their wombs or something. Yeah, exactly. Cause hysteria. the same as sex. <laughs> Just knocking their wombs about inside of them. <laughs> That's a joke about the wandering womb syndrome, which is something that before modern medicine people believed in because they believed that you had to keep a womb wet with regular sex because otherwise it would go wandering around the body in search of moisture and would send you insane. Yeah. yeah. One of the many things that literally got people committed to insane <laughs> got all kinds of weird cures for that one, but mostly getting married. Mm-hmm. But she didn't even really, as far as I can tell, seemed to hide it like very much at all she was pretty known as an amazon as a cavalry maiden and then she wrote an autobiography (laughs) about it and was given like the czar gave her a medal for being so impressive and and let her continue on so she was just they were like all right you seem pretty good at this all right (laughs) basically (laughs) like they didn't they gave her a pseudonym and she had to kind of pretend to be a man but the czar and all of her higher-ups knew that she wasn't Mm -hmm. so it just seems like if you were good at it then people would just let you be (laughs) i mean i presume it's a combination of being good at it and also happening to find yourself amongst people who were basically chill you know yeah (laughs) i mean being basically chill is fine but also i suspect that the thing with well not so much russians but like there is always a need for bodies in war and particularly in civil wars people don't tend to look very hard 
yeah at who is fighting because there is always a desperate need for bodies to be thrown at each other yeah there's no uh the one thing you need is more bodies so it must get to a point where it really doesn't matter what? yes and then people aren't looking too hard yeah it's not like now where casualties are reasonably low this is the thing that one of the things that i wondered while researching this is i wonder if there are like I mean, we've been joking about it being 98% people who are assigned female at birth, but I do wonder if there are like vast amounts more than we know, because a lot of the women or whether they were identified as women or were their own gender issues were maybe trans men, we don't know, all of that that we discussed. They always seem to have been particularly notable in some other way. So I wonder if these are just the ones that were written about because they were interesting, they're particularly good or particularly ruthless. Like there's one from the... um, um, American Civil War, Melinda Blalock, another terrible surname. Um, <laughs> Once again, Blalock. I wonder why she changed. Um, well, she didn't yeah. change her last name. So she, her oh, she uh, husband was a unionist, or had unionist sympathies, but was living in a Confederate area of the states so he publicly like very deliberately made a public show of joining the confederate army because he was so worried about what would happen to melinda while he was gone if people knew that he believed in the union but he intended Mm -hmm. to desert as soon as he was close enough to the border to cross over into the the other side but without telling him she just joined up as well disguised herself as his (laughs) younger brother not an existing younger brother she just called herself Samuel and said she was his younger brother and they were in the confederate army for longer than he had wanted to be because they never got moved because of various fighting reasons yeah but during a particularly rough skirmish Melinda got shot in the shoulder and sheltered up a tree for a while before he found her and carried her back to the base where a doctor discovered what was up and she got fired Um, at which point he gave himself he went and rolled around in some poison ivy for a bit and pretended to have a serious recurring illness <laughs> as, as part of a ruse that led to the both of them running away and they, they ran to Tennessee where they became marauders and scouters for the Union Army and they and their team became one of the most feared bands in the area just for being super ruthless and murdery and um, ca- even after the war was over carrying out vengeance on people who had joined the <laughs> confederate side yeah just being super bloodthirsty oh man I want a film about them I know me too <laughs> and then they just like had a bunch of children in normal life after after having murdered a bunch of people during the war <laughs> for being on the wrong side mommy what did you do in the war just <laughs> murdered hundreds of people darling yeah. just cut their throats yeah. while they were sleeping I just let the blood flow for the states. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a great story. I know, I love them. You know, the, the American Civil War is a real time when so many, and I think it is because they were one, so desperate for bodies, and two, because they just were, it was just such a chaotic time. Yeah. But there just seem to be so many of these stories of like women joining to be with their husbands or to find their husbands or because their husbands had died and they wanted to protect their families or because they just really wanted to be in the army. Yeah. Or like they, Deborah they Sampson super was super patriotic about it. Yeah. Who was Deborah Sampson? Oh, she's the American Revolutionary yeah. War. Yeah, yes. I always I have this terrible, terrible problem where I blur the Revolutionary War and the Civil War into one. That's awful. <laughs> but she just really, really wanted to fight for America and get rid of the Brits. Yeah. And so she just kept joining up and they kept finding out that she was a woman and kicking her out. And she yeah. had to, again... <laughs> Um, and she's one yeah. also she got shot at some point and removed the bullet from her leg herself 
to avoid oh, being yeah. discovered. That's very cool. But eventually she got a fever and was discovered then. But it was, is also one who was, she, she was given an honourable discharge, which didn't always happen yes. in these cases. Although there were not that many, I can't think of any off the top of my head, who were like kicked out and then everybody was repulsed by them or anything. It seems that the the worst thing that happened was you were given an honourable discharge, unless you happen to have married a woman, in which case people got fussy. Yeah. Marrying a woman, which is interesting in its own way, because either these women agreed to completely sexless marriages. So somebody on Twitter told me about this person yesterday mm-hmm. was Victor Barker, who is probably the most modern one. So he didn't technically join an army, um, mm-hmm. but was a member of the British fascists and who lived as a woman for most of their life and had two children. And then in 1923, decided to, as far as I tell, live their true life mm-hmm. and moved to Sussex, uh, moved to Clithering, which is like this very sweet little town in Sussex near where I'm from, <laughs> and completely reinvented themselves in the kind of way, I don't know if you ever went to university with someone who it turned out that they'd like completely reinvented themselves from how they were at secondary school. I'm um, sure I did, but not that I ever found out. Like, and like I knew somebody who we all called Rosie and then it turned out that she had a completely different name at home and that wasn't her name at all and she had just bought an entirely new wardrobe and completely reinvented herself Mm. like Oregon in Fresh Meat I've never actually watched Fresh Meat. Um, then that case, that is very a sorry. reference that goes straight past you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she basically did that, or they basically did that. And so they knocked up in Clithering as Victor Barker, married a woman called Elfrida, which mm-hmm. is a good name. It is a good name. Then they both moved to London. And then, brilliantly, somebody sent Victor Barker a letter, which was meant for a different Victor Barker. <laughs> inviting them to join the British fascists. And Victor Barker thought, there is nothing manlier than fascism. <laughs> and this I'm going to really take this as... my case. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to take this as a sign and literally went and joined the British fascists. Yeah, and so then, like, had years worth of being Victor Barker, specifically teaching boxing and fencing and then taking, like, young fascists on trips to beat up communists in the park. Amazing. And then there was a whole thing with him being arrested for owning, like, an unlicensed firearm. Mm -hmm. Became a restaurateur under a different name. Then went bankrupt. Then decided not to appear in court for being bankrupt. And so got arrested. And then when they arrested him, they went to put him in prison and were like, oh, hang on a minute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can see like the newspaper where they amend so he was living as John Hill mm-hmm. I think at that time and they so they had like the bankruptcy announcement of John Hill and then they just go back and amend it and go actually replacing this with Valerie Arkell Smith has been <laughs> powerful bankruptcy sorry we got the wrong name there which is quite good fun then got out of prison went back to living as John Hill then fuck something I think he got arrested for theft then changed his name to Jeffrey Norton and lived as Jeffrey Norton and yeah. just like went around living happily. Yeah, so it's all good. The um, marriages thing can be fascinating. There is, and this is another one that isn't really military related, um, but it's particularly relevant for me because it involves New Zealand and history hardly ever involves New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yes. we'll just chuck it in, why not? This is uh, Eugene Fellini, who was born Eugenia, who um, was born in Italy and emigrated with his family to New Zealand at age two. We won't use his, I think generally historians are agreed on using his him pronouns with Eugene Fellini. Yeah. But even then, it is probably something that could be debated. We can never know for sure because of 
all of the yeah. reasons. So born Eugenia, but started dressing as male uh, when he was a teenager in order to get work in places like stables and brickyards. Eventually became a cabin boy, and after being at sea for a while on a particular ship, he got drunk with the captain and accidentally, while talking about his grandmother, mentioned that she used to refer to him as a piccolina, which is the feminized okay. term for little one, which... Oh. Peaked, and this is all uh, his comes from his own account. Peaked the captain's interest, who then like was really dogged until he discovered that Eugene had been born female and was obviously. But this is before surgery was, so was still outwardly female genitalia wise Mm -hmm. at which point he the captain began repeatedly raping him and the rest of the sailors avoided him because of the superstition about women on ships which i think has been around for centuries and when they arrived in sydney fellini got put off the ship where she gave birth to the captain's child and assumed a new identity so she he put his daughter up with a woman to raise her and assumed a new identity completely going by the name harry leo crawford and under that identity he got married to anne burkett and they were married for several years before annie discovered that biologically he wasn't male at which point Annie died oh mysterious mysterious <laughs> so just fell right over yeah <laughs> Fellini claimed that they had been having an argument in a park after she had discovered that he wasn't biologically male and she had fallen and hit her head on a rock at which point he burnt her body in order to make that it is. unrecognizable because he was afraid that if anyone looked too closely they would figure out what was going on with him then he married again okay. another woman called Elizabeth King Allison, who claimed that the marriage had always been very happy, and uh, she had no idea that he wasn't biologically male. And after, after a while, details about Annie's death came to life, and he was tried for murder and initially sentenced to life in prison, but was released later because there wasn't a lot of evidence. There wasn't. They couldn't even conclusively yeah. prove that the body they had was Annie's. <laughs> Due to the fact that Fellini set fire to it. Yeah, exactly. Was it that? Um, Is that what it was? Yeah, I think Because that's a thing that innocent people do all the time, I think. Yeah, yeah, all the time. (laughs) From what I read in true crime, innocent people are always setting fire to things. Yeah. By the time he died, he was presenting outwardly as female again, which, I mean, I think possibly is because of all of the there had been quite a lot of persecution around the trial when it was discovered that he was biologically female um but i find it so interesting that he was married to two different women neither of whom could tell that he had female genitalia because he had just made very good use of a strap-on <laughs> or their companion at marriages well no the strap-on was discovered by police when they oh, really when they um arrested him and uh went through his so house they were having like penetrative sex and they just never knew they were having yeah penetrative that is interesting it's so interesting like I guess he made a point of making sure it was always so dark that they couldn't see anything. And I mean, this is another thing. What years are we talking about here? I'm guessing we're talking before electricity. I mean, uh, maybe before widespread electricity. I think there would have been some. <laughs> I think it was around the late 19th, early 20th century. Okay. Um, so yeah. before, so potentially they could just because we were talking last week about you know before the invention of electricity rooms were just really fucking dark basically yeah and even <laughs> yeah, I think it wasn't it, too easy to be wasn't too hard to be hiding things in the dark yeah so um yeah he married his second wife in 1919 so there was yeah there would have okay. been a bit of electricity around but probably not probably I, not that widespread yeah not as much light pollution definitely you wouldn't be getting street lights blaring through your windows like the way you would nowadays <laughs> and it's interesting is that both of these women had been married before 
So yeah. it what? wasn't even like their first penis. <laughs> so they were just like, gosh, what a mysteriously wooden feeling penis. Yeah. I mean, so. I guess maybe part of it also is that how comfortable would anyone have been even privately discussing sex at this point? Because it was... That's true. It was not a thing people talked about. Do? Yeah. You're not going to like call your best friend and be like... So tell me, what do penises feel like? Yeah. (laughs) No. This is something that opens up not just the military and not just women and people who potentially would be would identify as trans men now in the past but also like relationships in the past yeah and the different this multitudinous different ways in which they could exist like because quite a lot of these people with female bodies they marry women and they're either having companionate sexless marriages or they're doing something very impressive with a strap on mm-hmm. um like or they, their wife knows and they are having or their wife knows lots of gay and they are, are in a lesbian relationship which is being performed as a heterosexual relationship yeah. to the outside world and like just the I think that when we look back on the past, particularly like the period of the 18th, 19th century, early 20th century, we tend to think of it as a super prudish time where everybody was just living really buttoned up lives and then Oscar Wilde came and everybody fainted. (laughs) And then dot, 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 the 60s. But actually there was like these just multiple infinite variations of experience of gender and relationships happening. But because nobody wrote it down (laughs) they've all gone missing or they have been rewritten almost yeah there was a really good book which i read which is not 100 percent related but i really enjoyed it which was called redressing the frontier which is about the american wild west basically Mm -hmm. and about the multifarious experiences of people cross-dressing and living kind of fluid genders lives in on the wild west and how that in the 20th century through the process of cowboy films and cowboy novels just became completely heterosexualized Mm -hmm. essentially and how like the gender binary was enforced upon it so that it now is almost impossible to imagine cross-dressing and fluid gender existing within the world of a fistful of dollars basically i mean this happens a lot i think the same like i mean that i don't think there's a book about this but this is also very similar to pirates who yeah. now are seen as this hyper-masculine thing, uh, but, and obviously Sometimes straight, get, like, but actually were really like kind of gender-fluid and sexuality-fluid and super accepting of other people and had many male pirates who were married to each other. And it's, yeah. it's really, really interesting the way that we have sort of restructured the way that we look at the past because it's... Yeah. Wrong and fucked up a lot of the time. Yeah, it's really interesting. And there were, you know, there's a lot of stories from both piracy through the ages and the the Wild West. I think because it's almost impossible to think of a non 
hyper masculine version of the wild west yeah it's um, become... or a non-masculine version of the civil war like it is the most masculine most you see how much i care about fucking cowboys right now because i can't even remember the name of the guy that's in the fistful of dollars and the good band the ugly it's named clint eastwood mm-hmm. and you know all of that gritty men in gritty places and women fainting or being sex workers those are the only things they're allowed to do mm-hmm. but there are all these stories of people living very fluid genders one of my favorite ones was a woman called mrs nash and this is another thing that i mean this is almost completely unrelated it's not really like there are intersections to these things because almost everyone that we've been talking about is white yeah who was a mexican woman and this is to do with this complete lack of access to voices of non-white people just while you mentioned that like cowboys as well are another example of there were there were loads of african-american cowboys and uh like that was a really like I think predominantly even I don't I don't want to say that certainly but there was a huge amount of non-white people working in yeah. that field and that and has Hispanic. been completely erased yeah. by the fictionalization of it like I think I'm pretty sure the Lone Ranger is based on a black man and that oh, really? I yeah know. I think so that's based on something I saw on Tumblr um, <laughs> but I think um, I, I think when I did see that at the time which was months and months ago I checked it out and it was true <laughs> <laughs> but I can't I should I should be more responsible and know his name which but while you've you just talk come about up with it there well you you talk can about google this it while I talk to, about Mrs. Nash yeah do that yeah oh I mean the Lone Ranger does at no point in its fictionalization does it have a great experience with race because we all know from the Johnny Depp film which was embarrassing yes on multiple levels oh uh, but Mrs. Nash was a woman who would do the washing for General Custer's army mm-hmm because this is another thing that obviously gets erased in fiction, which is that all armies have an enormous amount of women kind of following along, basically. You have the soldiers, but then you also have, there's a word for it, like train of women who did the washing, did the cleaning, did the cooking, did the sex work, <laughs> did all kinds of things, did, you know, fixed up their clothing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and she was one of those. She followed General Custer's army mm-hmm. and she cooked for them, cleaned for them, did their washing. When women gave birth, she was there to, you know, help out. She was one of these people and she was kind of renowned and everybody loved her and she was like their everyone's brilliant nan. And then she died in 1878 and as they were preparing her body for burial, they found that she had male genitalia. And everyone was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And there are plenty of stories like this, that one got written down. But there are lots and lots of of stories like that of people from both sides, basically, um, yeah. of the gender binary yeah. living in the middle of it. Have um, you found? The I have. Angel? His name was Bass Reeves or Bass Re- Reeves, depending on if you're talking about the fish or the instrument, I guess. <laughs> and he was the first black deputy U.S. marshal. Amazing. And he's completely whitewashed. Completely whitewashed. Uh, but over the course of his career, he arrested more than 3,000 felons. Well, there you go. And I think I think there are a, a few people behind the character of the Lone Ranger, but he's definitely one of them. Well, there you go. About him. Yeah. Thank you, Tumblr. <laughs> this is a whole world of... I mean, Tumblr has its strengths and its weaknesses. It but one of the things it does is it's very good at kind of amplifying voices from the past that have been effectively erased. Yeah, completely. I mean, okay, so that's the first part of the question, really, which is, did they? And the answer is, God, yes, loads. <laughs> all through history, all the time. Then the thing that, like, the most recent one in an army is, like, 1920. What's, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, before we before we get off 
one. This is another nominatory one, but I just fucking love it. Just Saint Marina the monk. <laughs> who oh, yes. started uh, dressing as a man because she didn't want to get married. And so she joined the monastery as a man. And she was so committed to keeping that. I'm using, I, I don't know. I'm using she because it seems to have been practical reasons. Like she didn't want to get mm-hmm. married. And so the, her only option was to pretend she was a man. And that's sort of how it's presented. But it was a long time ago. We don't really know. Uh, but at one point, she was accused of fathering a child by an innkeeper's daughter. Nice. And she was so committed to keeping up her deception that she just accepted the child as her own. And again, she wasn't revealed as a woman until she died. Well, there you go. Yeah. You see? I think that she is, if not based on, then certainly the sto- the way the story is told is based on St Eugenia of Rome who is a 3rd century one of the very earliest saints and she were became a monk and this is before there was really a space for women to have an aesthetic world basically there weren't <laughs> if like if you were an aesthetic woman you, there wasn't there weren't nunneries you just stayed at home <laughs> and hung out with your dad for the rest of your life so she she entered a male aesthetic space disguised herself as a man eventually became the kind of leader of that space was said to have done miracles and cured people of various illnesses and then a woman from the community tried to seduce her and she said no 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 and rebuffed <laughs> her like I am an aesthetic I'm a monk I can't do this I am and then so the woman went and in revenge accused her of adultery and said that you know this monk has been coming onto me and is breaking his eyes. And so they had this trial and basically the defence was, I couldn't possibly have done that because I'm a girl. <laughs> Twist! And everyone was like, oh no, hang on, that's worse. <laughs> yeah. Obviously the way that Romans talk about gender is not super, like they very much had a gender binary of their own. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, oh my God. And then the best thing they can say about her is that she wasn't male or female. She was a third gender, which was not as repulsive as being a girl, but also not as good as being a boy. Sure. Um, so they executed her. Sure. Of course. On Christmas Day, 258. That's just pouring salt in the wound, isn't it? Ruining someone's Christmas. For for a Christian, it kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. There are quite a lot of, like, I don't know, the way that early Christians talk about women and what women are doing in early Christianity is a whole different world. But yeah, there you go. All right, now we agree that there are loads of women who are dressing as men and people who had a non-linear relationship with their own gender who entered male spaces and fought alongside them Mm -hmm. and then were given rewards and honourably discharged and wrote autobiographies about it. And one of them opened a pub called The Female Warrior, which didn't do very well, which I think is sad. Her name's Hannah Schnell. That is such a good name for a pub. She was in the 18th century. She joined the army in order to find her husband because he'd abandoned her while pregnant and she was so mad about it, she joined the army. (laughs) That's fair. In order to find him and presumably fucking kill him. And uh, she then hung around and enjoyed it so much, she hung around in the army for five years. When she was found out, because she was injured, obviously, she got an honourable discharge, got her military pension, which she used to open a pub called The Female Warrior and write her autobiography. Mm. And she wrote, like, loads of articles about what it was like being a girl in the army. But I'm very keen on her for just being like, you fucking what? (laughs) (laughs) You think joining the army is going to protect you from me, do you? (laughs) Yeah, I want her movie as well. Why are we getting all of these, like, war movies that are essentially, oh, 18-year-old boy gets sent to the front? Isn't it tragic? (laughs) 
when there's all of, I, all of these stories untold. I tell you, if I see one more version of Robin Hood, I'm going to scream. Oh, but my no one's God. telling the story of Keith and Marina. Was her name Marina? Marina? Uh, Melinda. Melinda Blarlock. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I feel like I'm being ripped off. I think we are being ripped off by the patriarchy yet again. We, always, always. So the next part of the question was how did they hide it? Which, you know, is a reasonably good question. But I think that that's because we imagine the army to be what it is now, where yeah. people look quite hard at you. <laughs> yeah. And where there are things like communal showers. Yeah. You'll note that these drop off like significantly in the 20th century. It is all early modern Which and pre-modern. I guess part of that might be due to the fact that it's become more acceptable for women to serve in the military just Partly, as they are. but I also strongly suspect it's because they introduced actual medical examinations. <laughs> yes, that also would have an effect. Where they would actually, <laughs> you know, take a wee look at you and yeah, then like, oh, that thing where they like... That's not a penis. Like that weird 20th century thing where the doctor would put his hand on the man's balls and then make them cough that I have no idea what it's supposed to be testing but appears in all of it that seems like having a having a laugh I mean presumably I don't know some kind of weird thing that they do but they introduced that kind of thing and Mm. they also stopped signing up 15 year olds yes and 12 year olds and letting them join the army and putting them in a giant jacket and giving them a gun and sending them out yeah like after the Napoleonic War, really, as soon as you get proper standing armies which are professionalised... Yeah, everything gets a little bit more careful. It's much harder to get trans men or women disguised as men into the army. <laughs> so, you I mean, that's the first thing. That's the weather. But then once they were there and they were, you know, that none of them were taking testosterone, there are quite a lot of ways in which, you know, there's there were not really barracks particularly. Like, you went and fought in a war rather than went and joined and hung around and did basic training for however long basic training lasts for. So you weren't like spending lots of private time indoors with your new army pals. Mm. You were outdoors, marching about, being kind of gross, not washing very often, having your skin fucked up by weather and having quite a lot of space in which you can go and do private things like we and mm-hmm. where people wouldn't have to see you. You would just be known as a... Like, quite a lot of these people, they say, oh, yeah, that person seemed quite quiet and they kept to themselves and they were not... like Yeah. <laughs> basically the kind of thing that people say about serial killers. But... <laughs> oh, Oliver has told me that the coughing ball situation is for a herniated scrotum. Okay. I don't know what that is, but apparently it's a significant problem a hernia is when like something breaks through the muscle that shouldn't no that can't be that wouldn't happen to scrotums scrotums don't have muscle i don't know hernias seem painful absolutely no idea so but there you go that's the official term sure i'm not that kind of doctor so (laughs) (laughs) no one's ever expected me to know what a herniated scrotum is and I'm not any kind of doctor, so no one expects me to know anything. <laughs> yeah, so there was lots of space. People could keep to themselves in a non-serial killery kind of way. Mm-hmm. And there were lots of, you know, adolescent boys there who were all wearing uniforms that didn't fit properly because there was only really one size of uniform that was made of, like, sack. Yeah. So there were lots of of space to hide inside your uniform as well. Yeah, and your voice sounding prepubescent wouldn't have been a problem because... Yeah, everyone would just assume you were a 13-year-old boy Yeah, if you were small and, like, didn't seem to shave very often. Yeah. And as you have said, facial hair in a lot of European armies was banned for a long time, so not having a big beard was not 
unusual. Suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of us just said, told me what a hernia is, and I, it is disgusting. So, no, I wish I'd never asked. <laughs> Do you want to know what it is? Oh, no, I'm reading it now. It's like <laughs> if you want to know what a hernia is, do Google it. But we're gonna we're gonna save those of you who would rather be kept in ignorance. Yeah, it's unpleasant. It's very unpleasant. I'll be honest. I feel like you could probably tell if that had happened without coughing. I, I you would think. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you'd know. Yeah. Oh well. Mm. Apparently not. Anyway. <laughs> You know, the point that we've also brought up a lot is that it seemed like it didn't seem to matter and that actually people didn't really mind. I found one historian from the American Civil War who said that men, when they found out that the person that they were fighting next to was assigned female at birth and was not living as a female for whatever reason, considered it to be a loyalty that transcended their sex basically right and that they could be accepted as if they were fighting and they fought and they were living a soldier's life then that was the only proof that anybody in the in the army needed yeah that they belonged there so basically if it looks like a soldier and it walks like a soldier it's a soldier exactly if it's doing soldierly things <laughs> it is not essentially not a person if they are doing soldierly things then they are a soldier and it doesn't matter what their genitalia yeah. is which much like dr james barry's doctor is i think probably the best approach to these things yeah if they want to be a soldier and they want to fight whatever their reason for fighting for is whether they are there to hunt down their absent husband and kill them or yeah. whether they are there because they really feel about the cause and they really hate Napoleon or hate the Unionists or hate the Confederacy or whatever. Or in the English, there's a book about the English Civil War, which is what a lot of the articles I mentioned at the beginning are about. Because there was a weird thing where Charles I in the English Civil War was really obsessed with the idea that there might be female cross-dressers mm-hmm. and like made all of these laws about how there were n- women weren't allowed to do it. And so everybody w- is really interested in whether there were loads of women who were dressed as, mm-hmm. um, who were dressed as men. And he'd write, writes all these laws about like, we can't be letting women cut their hair. <laughs> there were some, but not as many as Charles seemed to think there were. It was just some kind of bizarre fever dream of a... It's nice to know that the male assumption that women are constantly trying to deceive them has been around (laughs) for hundreds of years. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When I say nice, I mean horrible. You mean horrible, yes. Yeah, I don't know why he was so... The English Civil War is not exactly my period of expertise, but he did seem to have some kind of strange fixation on the idea that that there were people yeah. in the army who maybe shouldn't be there. But then again, I mean, he frankly needed all he could get in terms of army. <laughs> yeah. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth, Charles. Yes. Oh, here's a good bit from Puritan controversialist William Prynne. He published a pamphlet called The Unloveliness of Lovelocks, in which he spoke about the unnatural and unmanly times wherein sundry of our mannish, impudent female sex are hermaphrodited and transformed into men, not only in their immodest and audacious carriage, but even in the odious, if not whorish, cutting of their hair. There you go. Cutting your hair is whorish. Well, I feel bad about my hair. It's all right for you with your lovely long hair. No one's calling you a I'll just sit here on my high horse with my lengthy mane. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you're not allowed on a horse, actually. Oh, shit. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that quite... Neither of us the are doing very well, well. now, are we? <laughs> Yeah. 
So, you know, if you were enduring the conditions, I can't remember what I was saying now before I got distracted by Puritans. <laughs> if you were living the life, then everyone was happy that you were there. I think that answers the question. Has that? Do you think that's answered the question? I think that's answered the question. The answer is fuck yes. The answer is totally yes. And actually, as with everything in the past, it is, there are multitude of experiences and it's way yes. more interesting than you would think. Yeah, which is good fun. It's a lot of fun. What are we going to talk about next time? Ooh, so next time we've got a good question. And it is from Daniel Potter, who is at Lego Bookworm on Twitter, who is freakishly good at Lego. Like, like you know those people who build, like, entire towns out of Lego? Mm-hmm. And you're like, how one, how do you have the patience? And two, how do you have the skill to do that? Yeah. He has both the patience and the skill, which is very impressive. And he asks, how has music evolved over history? Which is interesting. Yeah. I think it's going to be a fun question. That is a really fun question. Yeah. Oh, before we go, I've got another question which somebody on Twitter asked, which I'm going to answer now. Mm-hmm. So last week we talked about the fact that Romans had an extra month every so often. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Aaron Tunney, which is pronounced Aaron, not Aaron, asked if the Roman bonus months had an, a name like Bonusary or Extremba. <laughs> I like the Extremba um, a lot. Yeah, and I've looked and I genuinely can't find a name for it. All I, you know, it was inserted in in between February and March every time I know that. So I've just decided to call it Extremba. Great. So from now on, Extremba. That's that's works for me. Yeah, so there you go, yeah. Aaron or Aaron. Yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about next time. That's the answer to that question. That's it. Great. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter at, at SexyHistoryPod or send us questions there. We are always delighted by questions, long or short. You can also email us at SexyHistoryPod at gmail.com. If you would leave us reviews on the places where you leave reviews, like iTunes, then we would love that because we really like it when people are nice about us and then we send it to each other and go, look, someone was nice about us. It's really, really fun. Genuinely makes our day. So that would be nice. You can find me at, at Nuclear Teeth. And you can find me at J9 and If. And you can find the lovely Oliver and ask him about hernias at, at Kiwa. Just don't ask him questions about hernias. Apparently he knows far too much about them. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that is. Yeah. Bye, Janina. Bye, Emma. Bye.